Hello? Where am I? Who? Who are you? This is God. You're God? Yes, dude, what's up? I mean, yes, it's God. Oh, this is sick. What's up, dude? Meet the boss. Oh. Ten episodes. Yeah, it's cool. Congratulations. Thank you. No problem. Um... If you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much. If you haven't, I don't know. Welcome back, everybody, to the Meet the Bus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Reckis, and this is episode 10. And for today, had to do something special. And with that, we have a very special guest on the show for today. He's done a lot within his own career. He's been director of marketing communications in arena football. He's been a coordinator of media relations and publicity for the Cleveland Browns. He's an associate director of business development and partnership marketing for USA Football, a director of corporate partnerships for the American College of Sports Medicine, and most recently, executive director and CEO of USA Water, Ski, and Wake Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the new CEO of Drum Corps International, Nathan Boudreaux. Welcome on. Thanks, Jeffrey. I appreciate that. That, that intro made me feel really old. <laughs> I've had a, a lot of stops along the way. We had to give you flowers. We had to give you your flowers. Yeah, but no, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about DCI and uh, my background and whatnot. I'm sure there's a lot of questions out there from oh, the yeah. community about who the heck is this guy and what's he doing. <laughs> so uh, fire away. Yeah, happy to tag in. Happy to answer anything you got. Absolutely. So, I mean, we just talked about all of this stuff that you've done within sports. So my first question right off the bat is, do you have any background in band at all? I don't, which... You know, some people are like, how the hell can this guy lead DCI, you know, the leading marching arts association in the world when he's never marched himself? Uh, and it's a fair question. And it's one that the board actually asked me during the interview process. And I was quite frank with them and said, you know, you're not hiring me to march. If you're hiring me to march, you probably got the wrong guy. You know, you're hiring <laughs> me to, to help run the business. And that's kind of what I think I bring to the table. So the business acumen and, and having that outsider perspective in terms of looking at things a different way, you know, could be beneficial. We have an excellent staff here and, and a lot of folks with uber passion, a lot of march, former marchers on staff. So that part is covered uh, in terms of, uh, of having the experience in the marching arts world. And then, you know, hopefully I can bring some different new ideas and put some new spins on things. And, and really, you know, again, my job is to run the business and to manage the P&L and the balance sheet to make sure that everyone in, in the activity has a positive experience. And, you know, I think I can do that with the experience that I bring to the table. Absolutely. That's amazing. That is an amazing answer. And real quick, I just want to cover a little bit about uh, your background in general, just so that the people can get to know you. What inspired you to do so much within sports? Because not only did you jump through so many organizations, but you did so many different jobs within the sports industry. So what inspired you to do all of that. Yeah, I mean, much like your audience has a, a passion for the marching arts, I had a passion for sport as a kid. You know, I played sports all through high school and quickly realized that, um, you know, there wasn't much of a career after high school for me in the sporting world, but I wanted to be around it. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, started off in the PR marketing element uh, with arena football and minor league baseball. And then that led me to the Cleveland Browns, which was a great experience. Uh, you know, the NFL is pretty much the pinnacle of sport in the world. And I was one of 96 PR people. Each team had about three PR people. So like one of 96 people that did that in the world, which mm -hmm. uh, was a was a cool thing to do. And then realized after that, you know, I really was was drawn to the business aspect of sport. So, um, you know, moved over to sort of marketing and business development. I think what really helped get me to where I am today in terms of being able to sort of run a business is the fact that I have experience in marketing. I have experience in PR and community mm -hmm. relations, events. 
business development, sponsorship. So basically you go around the room here in the, in the office and it's like, I've done most of the jobs that most of these people have with mm. the exception of this, this activity is super unique in terms of how the events are run and whatnot. But holistically, I think I have a lot of experience in like how all the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. And then coming from the, the water ski world, you know, I had no experience in water skiing either. I used the exact same answer I gave the water ski board that I gave the DCI board when they're like, how can this guy on the street come and run water skiing when you've never yeah. water skied? And I said, I told them the exact same thing. You're not hiring me to be a water skier. You know, if you are, <laughs> we're in trouble. Um, yeah. But I actually did learn to water ski while I was there, and um, which was which was a cool experience. But it also gave me the I got a chance to really cut my teeth and, and kind of make mistakes and grow from them and and learn you know what to do and what not to do more so what not to do moving forward mm-hmm. uh, when leading an organization. So I love the experience. I was super appreciative of their board for kind of taking a chance on me because I had never been you know an executive director or or a CEO before. So uh, that really, those five years really helped prepare me, I think, for this position here. And again, uber excited to be here, really want to get immersed in the activity and and really understand the nuts and bolts of how things work and Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a a marcher and what it's like to be a a core director and a tour manager and get a sense for myself what the experience is like. Absolutely. I can relate to to the membership and to the participants. You know, I I joke around when I left water skiing, you know, I, they basically embraced me as one of their own. When I left, you know, I, I was able to talk the talk and I can and kind of do the activity. And I, you know, I, I was kind of like one of them. And that's kind of how I hope this, you know, journey with DCI will be. You know, right now they may not know who I am or, you know, what's this guy's background or whatever. But hopefully yeah. fast forward four or five years from now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of you guys and, and I'm kind of embraced into the community. And that's that's what I'm looking to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I will ask a little bit about the business side of what you've done, but a real quick question, since I'm just a media person right now, I wanted to ask, because this is so interesting, doing media and PR for the Cleveland Browns and the NFL, which is like, as you said, uh, the pinnacle of sports and entertainment and business and everything. They are the leader in all of that. Um, what's something you learned doing media in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns? We had to deal with a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of crap, basically. Mm-hmm. When you're an NFL PR person, you know, we talk about crisis PR. You're in crisis PR all the time. We're not talking life and death for the most part. You know, life and death in the NFL world is a coach getting fired or the ownership changing yeah. or the quarterback controversy or, you know, someone getting arrested for whatever reason. Those, those are the controversies and the crises you're dealing with all the time. And then, you know, I mentioned life or death. It wasn't life or death, but even last year with DeMar Hamlin for the Buffalo Bills, like literally died almost on the, on the field and they had to revive yeah. him. So, you know, it, it could have been life and death and, and kind of dealing with the, the crisis PR around that. So all those little things, with the exception of the DeMar Hamlin incident, actually happened with us in Cleveland. And, and actually we had one, we had a MRSA infection with a player one time who literally had to almost get his arm amputated. They were able to catch it ahead of time, but oh, crazy wow. stuff like that. Um, just yeah. dealing with, you know, crises, you know, that's kind of been the number one lesson learned, I guess. But then also it's just when I'm dealing with the media and I tell the players this all the time, you can never go wrong with just being honest. I mean, yeah, the no comments aren't going to work. You know, the, the trying to avoid the media is not going to work. You know, basically it's if you messed up, come out, say you messed up, apologize, move on. And, yeah. and, you know, just being honest with people, I think, you know, part of what I want to do here and where what I've done everywhere I've been has been all about full transparency. You know, I've got nothing to hide. You know, I'm an open book, an open door. It's very cliche. My phone number is out there on my business card, my cell phone. It's on the website. Yeah. You know, I joke around. They call me if you have a question, but 
in, in the water ski, they did. And people were calling me all the time. So maybe don't call me directly. Maybe can we get one person to just call me? <laughs> it was a bad idea to put my cell phone on there, but you can definitely email me. And I will respond yeah. to email. Yeah. I guarantee Absolutely. you that I'm all about, you know, again, transparency, you know, taking care of the membership and the, and the participants. So if someone emails me with something, I will respond. I can guarantee that. It may not be in five minutes, but I will get back to you. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit about the position. I have a couple questions here, but I guess my first question, we kind of talked about, do you have any connection to BAM, but do you have connection, any connection to uh, DCI at all? The honest answer is no. I mean, other mm-hmm. than the fact that I live here in Indy and I live downtown Indianapolis and every year around the first or second week of August, the city would get engulfed with all these band people. <laughs> all the band nerds. <laughs> with their, uh, you know, their different jerseys and t-shirts and you know everything i'm like what is this yep. so i was aware of it because i live here in indy and uh, it's such a big event here in indianapolis so it wasn't like i'd never heard of it or never seen the activity uh before but i didn't realize until we really researching it you know kind of exactly what it was how intense it was you know how many stops you guys make on the tour what exactly the tour was i mean i didn't really realize a lot of that stuff Mm-hmm. But um, the funny thing was, too, when I posted like on Facebook about the fact that I was taking this position um, and accepted the job, I got probably four or five text messages from folks that uh, I may have not talked to in, in years that are like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, like I was uh, I marched in like 1995 and mm-hmm. my brother marches and, you know, my next door neighbor marches. How cool is that? So there's so many people like in my network that I had that have a, I have a connection to that have a connection to DCI, which I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of full circle, going back to the the media in Cleveland. So the TV sports director at one of the affiliates in Cleveland at the time, so in like 2005, is now the, I, th- I think he's like the head sports director or the play-by-play guy for the Washington Wizards. In- oh, wow. And he texted me and was like, oh my God, I, I marched for the Glassman in like 1998. Like, so cool, we got to catch up when you come to town or when the Wizards come to town. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to catch up with them. Yeah. What I want to do is really have our alumni kind of tell the story about what DCI did for them. Um, yeah. That really will help, you know, kind of shape things for people that may not know kind of what DCI is or what it's like to be in drum corps. So uh, when he comes back to town, I think either for all NBA All-Star Weekend or when the Pacers play the Wizards again, we're going to get him in the office and get him on camera and yeah. do a little sit down to, uh, to talk about his experiences and absolutely and all that. So yeah, it, to answer your question, long-winded answer is the fact that I did not have a direct connection, but my network does, which um, yes. I wasn't aware of until they, they told me. Yeah. And this activity seems like such a small world at times. And it's just like, you know, with you take the big landscape of the world and it's like DCI is just this little blip. But then when it's just like that, for example, like where you put this out there and it's like, oh, wait, I did this or I know somebody that did this. It's just it's crazy because it's just you'll never know where you meet people that have done this or just have a connection to the activity. I think that's always something that's uh, that's super great about it. So with the position, how did this come up for you, this position as a possibility or just how did this come up? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was sort of random and and this doesn't necessarily happen most of the time in today's world. Usually it's, you know, you're connected through somebody and somebody kind of helps you kind of push you along or puts you and puts you on the top of the list. You know, this one was just totally random for me. I really mm-hmm. just saw a posting about it. Again, I was familiar with the organization. It wasn't like I'd never heard of it before. And I started going through the, the job description and kind of what they were looking for. And, you know, I was checking all the different boxes. Like, well, I've done that and I've done this and I've done that too. So, uh, you know, for me, it was an op- it was an opportunity to get to a larger organization. So, mm-hmm. 
for reference, um, at USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, it was a $2 million business and a seven-person staff. Here at Drum Corps, it's like a $12 million business and a 30-person staff. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty big jump in terms of uh, oversight of, again, of a P&L and a, and a balance sheet and a staff and an operation. Um, so for me, career-wise, it was a great opportunity, um, one that I'm excited about. Yeah, want to see where we can go from here. Absolutely. So with all the sports jobs that you've done in your life, what made DCI, when you came across it on a job board, what made that so appealing to you? Yeah, I think it's more the business side. So, and I kind of told myself a couple of years ago that I don't necessarily need to work in sport as much as I really do enjoy sports. It's like, I think what I enjoyed most was the actual business element of it. It just so happened that the business was sport. So what the activity or the sport is doesn't really matter to me, honestly. I mean, obviously, I want to have a passion for what we're doing. It matters in a sense. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really what gets me excited and what get, gets me going is the running of the business part. Mm-hmm. You know, I look, I'm very entrepreneurial to the core. So it's like I look at this as an opportunity of, OK, here's where we are now. How can I help grow this thing? How can we get more participants? How can we get more sponsorship dollars into the activity? You know, how can we go outside the uniform makers and the instrument makers and those folks and get in to categories outside of the, the marching arts? You know, how can we get into, you know, the T-Mobiles and the Altels and the Fords? And how can we get businesses like that to support the activity? So those are the things that excite me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to diminish what the activity is, but honestly, mm-hmm. for me, it wasn't about, oh, my God, I need to work for Drum Corps because I love Drum Corps. It was like, oh, my God, this is a great business opportunity in a, in a business that is continuing to grow. And it's in, yeah. a, in a spot now where, you know, I'd love to be able to inject, you know, some of my own ideas and stuff. Take and, the next leap. Exactly. Absolutely. That. That's exciting for me. I'm getting I'm getting juiced over here just listening to that. That's incredible. Um, so for the people at home who are just, you know, in Facebook chats or, you know, on Twitter, just talking about whatever, trying to find out about the future of the activity, just a little something for them. What is going into your position that people at home might not think about? It's one that it's, it's rooted in history. I tell you that. And a lot of times the challenging thing is sometimes we can't rely on things that have happened in the past to continue happening in the future. For instance, yeah. Um, one of the challenging things that we're facing now is, is with housing for the cores, at, you know, all across the country when they're going to these different events. Four years ago, you know, maybe giving you a, a, a look behind the curtain that I don't know if I should or not, but four or five years ago, you know, our annual budget for housing was like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, this year, that same budget for housing is like one point five million. So it's doubled yeah. in like four years because it's right. not like these these schools and whatnot are just offering up for free, the opportunity to come and use their facilities and use their practice fields and their stadiums and whatnot. So in the past, mm-hmm. that was kind of a given where you would give them a little donation or something and they were fine with that. Now, you know, some schools are saying, no, you can't do it. Other schools are saying, yeah, you can do it, but it's going to cost you X, Y, and Z. So that budget line item has doubled in four years. Now, Absolutely. if that continues to trend in that direction, you know, in four years from now, are we going to be able to afford to spend $3 million on housing? You know, it, those are the kind of things that you have to kind of look at. You know, hope, we don't anticipate that being the case, but those are the things that that the CEO and the staff is responsible for doing. Like, how, how can we look yeah. at what we're currently doing in the activity um, from a dollars and cents standpoint? You know, how can we raise more revenue? How can we reduce expenses and, and keep things going? And at the end of the day, my sort of and I, this is what I pitched to the board and this is what I pitched to the staff. Our mm-hmm. our sort of strategic plan is pretty simple. 
It's like three or four things. Grow the membership, whether it be yes. more cores, more participants, whether it be world-class, open-class, sound sport, whatever. Whoever wants to participate, we want to grow all the participants. We want to grow our revenue streams, whether it be through rev- through sponsorship or through grants from different foundations and whatnot, or whether it be through fundraising activities from, from core alumni. And then the mm-hmm. final thing is to really ensure that um, everyone has a positive experience in the activity. So those, those are the three basic things. I mean, it's not brain surgery, but if we do those things, then, uh, then we'll be in good shape. Absolutely. You mentioned so many great things here. And it's funny because you were like, I don't know if I've answered the question. You've, a- you've answered so many questions within that one statement. I was just like, great. But I have something, um, something I've asked almost at the end of like the last three interviews or so. It's just, what do you think about the state of the activity right now? And the main consensus for most people when I ask them that question is, the fees are getting higher every single year and the fees are starting to get a little scary getting up there because I mean, for example, when I started in 2016, I think it was maybe 3,500, 3,600 for tour fees for the summer. My brother, when he started in 2012, less than that, obviously with inflation, as the years go on, things have to change because of inflation and all of these different, um, different aspects. But as you mentioned uh, so much about the financials, how do you plan to keep the activity financially accessible for kids coming up in the activity today? Yeah, I think we have to find other revenue streams, like I was mentioning before. You know, one of the cool things about this activity, which was shocking to me, was the number of eyeballs that are on it. You know, whether it be mm-hmm. through flow marching or through just the various social channels that we have at DCI. I mean, the DCI Facebook page has over 500,000 followers. I mean, that's a pretty mm-hmm. good number, yeah. uh, which I think would be enticing to sponsors outside of the activity. So how can we leverage some of these assets that we have to, to generate more revenue? Because we have to generate more revenue from the non-traditional sources um, in order to kind of keep these fees down. Because like you said, everything's going up. I just gave you the example of the housing, basically 100% increase in four years. Yeah. Um, same thing with the fuel costs for the for the cores, driving all around all the country and the food costs and you know mm-hmm. every, everything is going up. So And the revenue is staying the same. So for us... The only way to, to keep up with those costs is to raise the, the cost of the tuition. So obviously, we don't want to continue that trend to continue just to to raise the cost of the tradi- of the tuition over and over again. Mm-hmm. But um, if we can find those alternative revenue sources to sort of help offset some of that, you know, that's what we're sort of tasked with. And it's not an easy it's not an easy task. I'm not saying it's easy to call up Ford or T-Mobile or whomever and say, you know, we got a great opportunity over here. Write us a check. Yes. It's, it, it's, it could be one of those one in a million shots, but all it right. takes is that one to, to work. So we have our work cut out for, uh, uh, for us for sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, being here a week, I would say, uh, I you know, I think the future is still bright. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of passionate people um, in the activity. You know, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but I think we there could be some tweaks to it over time. That again, there's some traditionalists in, in everything, in every sport or activity that, you know, this is the way it's always been and this is how it needs to be. Well, yeah. take, take a take a piece from Major League Baseball. You know, Major League Baseball is is probably like the, you know, the longest sort of traditional. A lot of traditionalists in that sport. And in order for them to stay relevant, they've had to make some things, some changes to that, yeah. that a lot of the traditionalists don't like. Like, you know, designated hitter and and pitch clock and things like that to kind of keep the games moving and try to get it more exciting. So they've, they've done these these sort of innovations, and those are the types of things that DCI is going to have to do, not necessarily from me or next week, but over time we're going to have to do those things in order to, uh, you know, to keep things going. 
Absolutely. And just for the people at home, like he said earlier, he did just start a week and a half ago. So, you know, Rome wasn't built in one day. This all takes time. So with that being said, what are some everyday goals so far as you've gotten into the office that you're trying to tackle every day? Yeah, right now it's just it's just basically being a sponge and and just sort of immersing myself in in everything I can DCI. I mean, right now this weekend um, here in Indy, there's the Band of America championships going on, so I'm heading over there on on Saturday night to to check out the uh, the high school bands. Nice. There's a lot of a lot of you know same folks in the activity on on that side are, are in our activity as well. So it's really you know. Like we talked about before we even got on air, you know, I'm meeting with our staff here at DCI are, are you know, folks from marketing and the folks from sponsorship and tickets and housing and accounting and, you know, really just having one-on-ones with each of them to kind of get to know them because I just met them a week ago. So I know yeah. nothing about their background. I know nothing about what they do on a day-to-day basis. So really getting to know the staff itself and then really getting to know the cores, the core directors, the core, the tour managers, really understanding, you know, what are their pain points? What are they what are they doing on a daily basis? How can we help? And then once the season starts, not to say that I'm going to go on tour, but I'm going to go to some of the tour stops for sure to get an experience uh, to see what that's like, to see what, you know, what the participants are going through, what it's like to do that. So, I just want to immerse myself sort of in the activity for the first year or so. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not coming here saying we need to change this and do that. And, you know, I, I'll ask a lot of questions as to why we do it. Why are we doing this or why do we yeah. do that to really understand um, and then really kind of maybe come up with some ideas on how we can improve and make things better. Not necessarily blow things up, you know, basically just improve on what we currently have. So right now it's all about just immersing myself in everything. And, you know, we, we had to reschedule this thing like three times because things keep coming up. <laughs> And I apologize for that, but it's like, you know, I, I didn't all anticipate good. this meeting happening and then all of a sudden I get called into this one. So it's, yeah, it's drinking from the fire hose for sure. Moving a hundred miles. Yeah. Adapting on the fly, adapting on the fly. Quick question here, kind of going back into your history a little bit to talk about what's happening now. Um, you've been very successful wherever you've gone. For example, uh, with USA Wake, uh, Water Ski and Wake Sports, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I just said that right or wrong, but I mean, you were able to bring so many new outside sponsors to help build that organization up. Something I wanted to ask about was what goes into taking an organization and pushing it to its fullest potential? Uh, well, that's a good question. You, I mean, you may have even stopped me on that one here. I mean, every organization, every company has valuable assets that they may or may not even realize they have. So mm-hmm. it's really identifying what those assets and attributes are mm-hmm. and then basically telling that story. So, um, you know, sponsorship really is storytelling. I and mean, we've got some really cool stories in, in this activity the more I learn, the more I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, this is interesting. It's so off the wall. You know, there's opportunities there that I think if we help tell our story to more people, then mm-hmm. it opens the door for more opportunities. And and not to say we don't do a good job now, because I think our social media team does an excellent job uh, producing yeah. content and kind of telling the stories. But there's so many things out there that there are stories that are sort of untold that we need to sort of tell. And I think yes. uh, we do a good job of telling those stories then I think uh, good things will happen. So it's really uncovering the stories too. That's that's the most challenging part. And coming from a PR background from the very beginning, I mean, that was one of the things I was tasked with too at the NFL working with these players is like the, the goal was always to sort of take the helmet off the player and really tell the story about who this player is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they see number 12 running around with a helmet on and they just think he's really good, but they don't know his story. You know, they who don't know that, you know, he, he has a, a passion for this or that. And, you know, yes. heck, they could even have 
you know, NFL players that may have been in a drum court one time. I don't know. Those, those are the things we want to find. We want to find sort of yeah. these stories out there that these prominent folks in certain roles or athletes or whatever they mean, musicians now, yeah, whatever, educator, whatever they may be that are like dominating their field, you know, oh, they were drum corps, you know, way back in the day. And yeah. tell us about that experience and how it helped shape you and how you got to where you are. And like, those are the stories I want to uncover. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of cool, too, is just finding out the cool stories about how drum corps affected folks. Um, yeah. And it's very similar to sport. And I use this during the interview process as well as I. I not only do I have a passion for sort of business and running the business, but I have a passion for anything that has a positive impact, especially on a young person. So like sports always, I mean, everyone says, you know, the things you learn in sport or in these activities are things you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. You know, you have to be a member of a team. You, You have to be able to work together. You have to be able to avoid conflict. You have to be able to manage adversity, like all these things that you learn in sport and the things you learn in an activity like drum corps are things that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. So I sort of misspoke when you were like, you know, why drum corps? One of the reasons why is because it it is so similar to sport in a sense that you do have a positive impact on young people. And then those young people go on to do really good things later on. So Mm -hmm. the mission was very important to me in terms of what the organization does and what it's all about. So it it had a close connection to sport for me. And that's why I stayed in sport for so long is because, you know, you see the impact it has on people. And I'm sure that drum corps has that same impact uh, as sport does. And the way that, and you explained that so perfectly. I tried to do this in the first episode of this podcast because I think that's what drew me to do this podcast was uh, I watch a podcast called The Pivot uh, with Fred Jackson and Ryan Clark, those guys who play in the NFL. And they bring different athletes on to really talk about their story, talk about their time within uh, the league, wherever, whatever league they were in, but they just talk about their time within the league, time within their sport, what they learned, uh, how these events impacted them. And I was like, why isn't there something like that for drum corps? Because they're there were so many people that I know who have all these different stories that are incredible stories. Um, some of them I've already had on the podcast, which have been amazing. But I know that there's been so many teachers that have taught me and so many other people that I've met that have these incredible stories. And um, this activity has impacted so many people in such a positive way that that's why I wanted to start this thing, just to highlight those positive experiences. No doubt. And you want to pass that on and pay it forward to the, to the, the folks that are coming behind you. Yes. Um, And that's very similar to sport or even being in like a fraternity or sorority or something like that in college. It's like you have this affinity with these people. You guys have done the same things together, you know, and that's kind of what drum corps is. Like you're experiencing this one thing with 165 other people that Mm -hmm. no one else can really do. And you have that bond and connection to them. And you guys go through these experiences together. Like I said, dealing with it's your team. Yeah. You guys are a team. Um, and one of the things that Dan Atchison said to me, which really stuck that, you know, he basically said that, you know, drum corps is like the, the, the biggest team on campus, which you kind yes. of, like, it's, I didn't realize that, but it's like 165 people, you know, you know, on a team, it's a pretty big team, you know, yeah. having everybody work together and you, you guys are getting scored and judged on certain things. And if, you know, one, it's just like football. If, if the left tackle doesn't block the quarterback gets sacked. And mm-hmm. they can't throw it to the guy who's wide open, you know, and just like in drum corps, you're only as strong as your weakest link kind of thing, you know, so everyone's got to be locked in for it to be successful. Everyone's got to be yeah. bought into the idea for this thing to work as well. Just like in any sport, everyone, you have to have like on a basketball team, the star player has to be bought into the coach's mentality, their style of play for the rest of the team to work out. Like Phil Jackson needed Jordan and I could go on for days. Belichick needed Brady, all the things so that 
those guys at the top are bought in. It's the same thing like drum corps. If the kids, the like the kids who are doing it, if they're bought into the message, that's what makes such a success, successful season to me. Yeah, no, there, I mean, I guess there are a bunch of similarities between the marching arts and sport. I mean, I think it's it's probably closer than most people think. The real connection for me was was understanding how much athleticism actually goes into being a drum corps. I, I had yes. no clue. Like until you see the. I think I was Googling around and found some YouTube video about, um, I think it was some researcher that was had a heart rate monitor. Oh, yeah. Some Classic. Movie. Yeah. And they were like, you know, this particular person is like at a marathon runner's heartbeat going for like four minutes during the, the heat of the other. Just production. one production. Like their heart rate is this for this, just these four minutes right yeah. here. And then yeah, it, it completely crazy. changes for the other three productions. So you see the uh, the athleticism that it takes, not only the the talent to to you know, play the music and whatnot, but then also to do all the, the choreographed movements and, and things like that. So yeah, that part was, was an, an eye opener for me. And I'm learning stuff every day. Like I said, I've been here a little over a week and every day I learn something new. Absolutely. A couple questions here just to, just to round us out. What excites you about the future of DCI? Yeah. Like I said before, I think it's the opportunities that, that are out there in terms of uh, how we can generate additional sources of revenue that we can then reinvest back into the the activity to the course. You know, at the end of the day, we want to make it more accessible for everybody. You know, no one wants to pay four, five, six, seven thousand dollars for for an activity over the summer. Like how can we help offset some of those costs? And the only way to do that is to bring in more revenue. You know, get more eyeballs on the sport. Uh, I say sport activity, and those are synonymous with me now. If I say sport, it's a misspeak, but it's sport activity. It's all kind of one one and the same. But um, how do we get more eyeballs on it? You know, there are so many opportunities. One thing I was working with at Water Ski was um, creating a streaming channel for Water Ski and other sort of extreme sports. There are some challenges with us because of with licensing issues and whatnot, but there's so many opportunities to get more eyeballs on it. I know back in the day it was on network television at one point. Yeah. So how do we get it back on on some sort of medium to where more people can see it? Um, yes. They're one and the same to kind of help drive more revenue. The more eyeballs that are looking at it, you know, the more valuable you become. Mm-hmm. So, um there's a lot of challenges out there and that's kind of what you know excites me for the future is just trying to tackle these things and coming up with a better way uh, than we currently have and without detrimenting the experience of the participant. You know, I keep saying that, but at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. You know, absolutely. We want to make sure everyone that does this activity has a positive experience doing it. That same person that went through drum corps who had a great experience, fast forward 30 years when they have disposable income. They may be like, huh, I'm going to donate back to that activity because it was so good to me. Whereas if someone mm-hmm. has an awful experience, you know, you've lost them forever. So we want right. to make sure everybody has a great experience. Absolutely. So we're talking a lot of big picture in this interview. It's been great. It's been incredible. But something I just want to like focus in on, my last question here. What does a successful 2024 DCI season look like for you? Well, nothing goes wrong. Which I'm sure is, uh, I can't control that, but no, we want to do everything we can. Again, I, I sound like a broken record here to make sure that everybody has a positive experience. So our our housing team that is working on getting quality housing for the cores, um, our event team that's putting on these these particular events in these certain markets. You know, we want to make sure we have a first class event, a first class experience for everybody, and then at the mm-hmm. same time. You know, if we can find some some dollars along the way and, and some additional revenue, that would be great. Absolutely. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, what you say, what does success look like? It, it looks like at the end of the year when we do our, our post surveys to all the participants, they come back with flying colors and say, this was the greatest experience of my life. I can't mm-hmm. you know, I can't believe, 
you know, it ended, you know, how we're going to judge ourselves on things like that. And uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of give you a, an example of similar to when I was at USA football, uh, we use the analogy all the time. Like, how do you, how do you judge a successful youth football coach? Like someone that's coaching a 10 year old. Because a lot of times these, these, these volunteer coaches want to, they want to go 10 and 0 and they won every game by 40 points, mm. you know, and they're like, I had a great season. I went 10 and 0, but we'd ask them if you went 10 and 0, like, judge yourself on how many of those kids came back the next year to play. You know, if half your kids didn't come back, something happened. Yeah. Whereas a team that went low in 10, but every single kid came yeah. back to play that coach deserves something because they didn't win a game, but he made sure the kids that, had a good time. Yes. And they came back and that's kind of the same philosophy here. You know, we want to make sure that everybody has a great experience so that they can go back and tell their friends that you guys have to do this. Yep. And then, uh, you know, that's how the, the activity is going to continue to flourish. You know, as long as everyone's having a great time doing it, then we're doing our job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is where we're going to wrap up for today. This is a quick one, but I know you're a busy guy. So we're going to keep you moving here. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know we rescheduled a couple times because you're busy over there. I'm busy. Life happens. But I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to sit down and have this conversation. Kind of introduce you to the community as well. This was incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really do. I really appreciate you taking yeah, the time. Today. No problem. Anybody out there that sees me on the road or whatever, feel free to come up. I won't bite, I promise. Um, <laughs> looking to meet as many people as I can. So thanks, Jeffrey, for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. And with that, this has been episode 10 of the Meet the Bus podcast, and we will see you next week. Hey,